Take your Bibles, please, and let's find the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John, we'll be looking at the very first chapter there, if you would turn there in your Bibles. Our ministers and I have been on a, a wonderful time here as we move to the Christmas season. You know, there seems like there's something at Christmas every year that jumps off the page at you. Uh, it might be the gifts, uh, it might be uh, the uh, music, but this year, light has just jumped off the pages of Scripture at us. And there's a passage we're going to read today from Gospel of John, chapter 1, beginning with verse 1. When you think of Christmas, you naturally think of lights. Uh, it's associated with the season in so many ways. When you drive around town... Uh, and I hope you do that. You see the Christmas lights. Some of them are, are very humble and simple. And others of them are, are complex and sublime. Uh, my neighbors around where we, where we live uh, all have young children. And they go all out for the lights. And not only the lights, but they're, they're syncopated with music that they play to. And I appreciate it, I do. I don't have to do a thing. I just, everything is lit up for me, you see. It's all lit up. And it's, it, it's tremendous. Where did the whole concept of Christmas lights begin? Well, we're not really sure. Some think it might have been the star of Bethlehem. But John would say, no, the, the background and the origin of the lights at Christmas was none other than the light himself, God who became man. And that's the Gospel of John, chapter 1. You begin reading with me at verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. Now look at verses 4 and 5. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Your Bibles may say, overcome it. Let's pray together. Oh, Lord, there is so much you have filled my heart with. Ed's, Derek and Ben's, Debbie's, Goody's. All the things that you've poured out about light in these passages to us. It's been a precious time. And now, Lord, I just pray that we'll be able to bring together all you've poured into us. And let it be here for all of our people. Lord, we love you. And we thank you for the light that shined in our darkness. Illuminating our sins. But shining the way to you. In the name of that light do we make our prayer. Amen. And the light shined in the darkness, and the darkness could not overcome it, could not comprehend it. Now, I'm not talking about a little night light. I'm not talking about a candlelight. I'm not talking about a pin light here. That's, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about an explosion of light. We're talking about an invasion of light. We're talking about a supernova of light and brilliance. Piercing, blinding, 
A light to end all lights. That's what's being spoken of in John's gospel right here. And look at that, that verse 5. And the light shines in the darkness. I want you to, to see something about the tense of that word. That's very, very important. In our language, we have present, past, future tense. Okay, Other languages has other tenses of the verb. And this is one of those that is the continuous present tense. It's the present perfect. And it says the light shines, is still shining, and will keep on shining. And then it says, and the darkness could not overcome it, is not overcoming it, will never overcome it. This is the light we're talking about. And just sheer tenses of the verb bespeak that. What it says is this. Darkness, your day is done. Your day is done. Your day of confusing. Your day of hiding. Your day is done. Absolutely done. This, this word, not overcome or, or not comprehended. It, it has both of those translations. We, we have phrases even in our English to do that. There's the phrase, got it, okay? Uh, I was in the parking lot the other day, and I dropped some papers, and the wind was blowing about 15 miles an hour. And it was something right out of a Laurel and Hardy, you know, and some of you know what that means. Anyway, it was right out of an old black and white movie, and I'm chasing that, that paper across the parking lot. And finally, I said, I got it. I captured it, Okay. That's one sense of the word, that phrase, got it. But there's another one. Somebody's telling you something, and it's hard to comprehend, and you're studying it, and all of a sudden the light bulb comes on, and you say, I got it. It means you, you comprehended it, you grasped it. And even our phrase, got it, has both of those kind of connotations. Something you reach out and grab, and something you grasp as well. Something you comprehend as well as something that you overcome. This is the same kind of word here in the English, I mean in the, in the Greek. And in the English, we translate it both ways from time to time. And you know what? Both of them are correct. Both of them are correct. It's not one or the other. Both are correct. And it depends on the situation. I personally lean towards the overcome here, but others, others lean towards the, the comprehend. I think John meant both. I think the Word of God brings both to us today. Now, in this passage, I want you to see two things right off the bat. First of all, Jesus is described as the life. The life, L-I-F-E. He described as the life. Later, Paul will spend a lot of time talking about this, that you and I are spiritually dead without Christ. We are spiritually dead without Christ. And yet, Jesus came... To bring us eternal life. The very opposite. So it begins by saying Jesus is the life. I really want to develop that, but I don't have as much time to go into that now. I want to go to the second thought. And it says here, Jesus is the light. The light. A familiar theme. If you've read through God, John's gospel and, and 1st, 2nd, 3rd John and Revelation, you know this is a, a repeating and familiar theme to John. In John 8, 12, as you heard earlier, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. He puts the two together there. John 12, 46, I have come into the world as light, that whoever believes in me may not remain in 
darkness. What is it that light does? Very quickly, let me give you five things that light does. It's in your notes right here. First of all, light exposes. Light exposes. John 3.20, for everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds would be exposed. You see, light exposes. It illuminates. Second, light separates. Light separates. John 12, 36, uh, excuse me, uh, 3, 19. And this is the judgment, that light has come into the world, and people love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Light exposes, <clears throat> but then light separates. Those who don't mind their deeds being exposed, they remain in the light. Those who have something to hide, they scurry into the darkness. So it separates. Third, it leads to belief. That's John 12, 36. While you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of light. We're going to be talking about that over the next several weeks. It also delivers. Light delivers. Jesus said, I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in the darkness, but be delivered, be transformed out. Of the darkness. And finally, transform. Again, Jesus spoke to them, John 8 12. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Paul was writing to the church at Ephesus. And he said, You were once darkness. Well, we're going to develop this more next week. You were once darkness. Not, not that you were in the darkness. Not that you were captured by the darkness, but you were the darkness. But now, you are the light. The light. There's a transformation that happens. When the light exposes, when the light separates, when the light leads to belief, when light delivers, light then transforms. So this is what the light does. Some of you are here today. And you're in the time that you so need the light of God shining in your light. The darkness is overcoming. The darkness is causing you to be so lonely. The darkness is so confusing. And so very much you would love to have the light of God shining in your life. We've got good news for you here today. The light doesn't just expose to embarrass you but exposes to see what needs to be dealt with, what needs to be transformed. Light, this is what it does. The light of Jesus comes to expose us that He might transform us. This is Jesus. He is life. He is the light of men. And He was born into a world that did not want Him, but could not stop Him. A world that did not want Him, but could not stop him. So this leads me to three truths I want to give you this morning. They're in your notes. Let's look at them. First of all, Jesus is the life giver. Have you received the life that Jesus alone has? You know, you have life. I hope you have life. If you don't, you're dead and we need to carry you out of here. You have life. You have physical life. But Jesus came and he talked about something different than just our physical life. Something different than our heart beating or our lungs working or our brain synapses snapping with one another. He talked about something beyond that. He gives us life. He can take that life away, by the way. He gives us life. But what he's talking about is another life. This life he calls 
zoe iones, eternal life, the life of the ages. This is life as God has intended it. This is life as God wants you to have it. Jesus said, I am come that you might have life and that you might have it abundantly. All you could imagine of life. Not everything you want in life, but all in life that you could imagine. All that life means. But he also said this, the thief comes to steal and to destroy. We're going to look at that thief in just a few moments. First, Jesus is the life giver. Second thing, Jesus is the light bearer. The light bearer. When you go back to creation, how does does Genesis start? It starts with this whole cosmos being in darkness. Being in darkness. And God said, let there be light. And that's his character. His character shining forth. And so in creation, the natural state was darkness. And then God spoke his character into that darkness. Let there be light and there was light. This is before sun and moon and stars, by the way. This is God himself. This is his character. Let there be light. Now, when you look to the new creation into the New Testament, the common state of mankind is spiritual darkness. That's where we live. That's our natural state. That's where we revert when we backslide away from Christ. Darkness is the natural state of of mankind and all in the world. And so in the new creation, what is John saying? Here came light. Here came light. Here came the Son of God who was going to be the light of the world. The light for all men to have and to hold. You'll you'll find no less than 21 times in the Gospels where Jesus is referred to as the light. Twice he said himself, I am the light of the world. He was the light bearer. So he's the life giver, he's the light bearer. Now let's talk about darkness for a moment. Darkness is the villain. If Jesus is the hero and he is the life giver and the light bearer, darkness is the villain. It's the antithesis of light. I've spent some time the last several weeks reading some of my old physics books and, and going online and looking. You know, it's hard to, deter, to define darkness. And most of the best definitions say is this. Darkness is the absence of light. Darkness is where there is no light. And so for Paul to say, Fred, you were once darkness. That means I had no light in me. No light. I had no spark of the divine in me, and neither did you. I was hopelessly, helplessly, eternally captured by my character, which was darkness. And so were you. But then came Jesus, the hero of the story. He comes as the life giver and the light bearer. And, and, and Satan strives to keep us in darkness. 
He strives to hold this world in, in, in darkness. Let me read from you from 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded darkness, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, shine in them. That's Satan's work. To keep mankind in the darkness. And he tries hard. He works determinedly. Here's the problem. Darkness flees the light. Darkness cannot stand the light. It draws back. It pushes back. Even the tiniest little light illuminates and eliminates. It illuminates the darkness and it eliminates the darkness. Darkness is scary. How many of you ever had to comfort one of your children or grandchildren because they were afraid of the light? No, that hadn't happened, has it? No. You don't say, here, let me bring a little darkness into your bedroom. You'll feel better there. No. We don't do that. They're, they're not afraid of the light. What are they afraid of? They're afraid of the darkness. So what do you do? You put a tiny little nightlight in the room. A tiny little nightlight. It doesn't have to be much light at all. As a matter of fact, the less the better. But what does it do? It illuminates and eliminates the darkness. Any little light. Any little light. The darkness knows its day is done. Satan knows his day is done. He wants to capture the minds and keep them in the darkness of this lost world. But Christ has come. And his light is an invasion. It's an explosion of light. And wherever someone will open their eyes to see it, he illuminates and illuminates. Darkness day is done. Because light has come, three things are true of you. Will you hear these? First of all, Jesus gives you something you could never get on your own. We jot that down. Jesus gives you something you could never get on your own. You cannot find your way in the darkness to the city of light. Okay? You'll never find your way to heaven. Stumbling in your darkness. There's no way. You need someone who can show you. You need someone who can give you something you could never get on your own. Give you eternal life. Give you His light in your life. A different kind of life. Oh, I, I, I so often think in terms of how my life was different. Once I received Jesus Christ, I was ate up with the darkness. I was absolutely a part of the darkness. I was helping it stay very, very dark. And then a cousin invited me to go to church with him one day. 
Couldn't really remember ever going to church, maybe as a tiny child, but had no memories of that, had no idea what was going on. You folks scared the life out of me, you know that? I mean, standing up, sitting down, singing songs I didn't know, using words I didn't understand. But fortunately, there was a pastor that in very simple, simple terms explained what sin is, explained what God's love is. Explained it when Jesus died on the cross. It was to take my sins upon himself. And when he rose again three days later, it was to give me his eternal life. And that if I would come and confess my sins to God, and yield him my life, give him my heart and my life, that he would totally transform my life. You know what Jesus did? He kept his word. He kept his word. He transformed my life. Hatred and rage gave place to love and forgiveness. And a fellow who had no future found purpose in his life. And that's what God is offering to each and every one of us here today. Jesus wants to give you something you could never get on your own. Second, Jesus wants to show you where you can go that you can never find it on your own. The definition of light in the dictionary, as I looked it up, it says, light makes it possible for us to see. Without light, we are hopelessly blind. Hopelessly blind. And, and that's what Jesus said. I have come into the world as light so that no one who believes in me should stay in the darkness. Another occasion he said, I have come into the world so that the blind may see. We're caught in a fog. We're caught in that darkness. And we think we know where we're going. We think we know what we want to accomplish out of life. But the Bible says the end of that is going to be destruction. I read a story a while back about one of our battleships off the coast. It was coming in in a dark and foggy and dreary, dreary night. And the coordinates were not working on board his ship very well. But he realized that his ship was on a collision course with another vessel. And so the captain got on the, the, the radio and he said, or he instructed, he said, get on a signal that ship. We're on a collision course. Advise you change your direction 20 degrees. The radio responded, advise you change your course 20 degrees. The captain said, I am the captain of this ship. I tell you, change your course 20 degrees. The radio barked to life. I'm seeming second class. I suggest you change your course 20 degrees. Now he was furious. He said, I have you know I'm the captain of a battleship. Change course 20 degrees. And the sailor said, I have you to know I'm the lighthouse. I suggest you change your course 20 degrees. That captain was lost and didn't know it. And so are some of you today. You find yourself struggling and trying to make life to make sense, and it never does. Trying to find purpose in possessions or power or prestige or whatever, and you continue to find yourself empty. There's the darkness that you try to make it seem to be light about you. 
You know, we can create our illusion of light. Did you know that? I took a group of our teenagers one time down in a mammoth cave. We were three-quarters of a mile down uh, on the, in, into the cave. Hundreds and hundreds of feet above us was the light. But there was no light down there. And the guide had us all sit down. And he said, now I'm going to do something with your permission. And I'd already told him he could. I'm going to turn off the lights. Three-quarters of a mile into a cave. Hundreds of feet from the source of light. I turned the lights off. You know what? Your eyeballs begin to bulge. You try to see what's not there. You can't see your face. You can't see a hand in front of your face. But your brain knows what light looks like. And you know what happens in just a few moments? In somewhere between 30 and 45 seconds, your brain begins to imagine light. It's not there. But your brain begins to fabricate it. When I was lost and in darkness, I was fabricating something I thought was light, that I thought was purpose, that I thought was love, that I thought was joy. But I was wrong, folks. It was something I was fabricating on my own. And one of the first steps I had to take is the first step you have to take. And that's to admit, I fabricated purpose in my life that's not there. I need the light to give me life. I need Jesus in my life. I need hope and direction and purpose and peace. That may be where you are right now. Which leads me to the third thing Jesus does. Jesus gives us something better than we deserve. Let me tell you what I deserve. I deserve darkness. I deserve to be lost in the darkness. And so do you. No amount of good we are able going to do in life is going to warrant us that we somehow would deserve to have eternal life. Mm-mm. I know your, your, your friends that, are, that are, are, are out here, they're smart thinkers, they're philosophers in the world. They tell you, well, all that you have to do is do more good in your life than you do bad. And, and you, you outweigh the balance in that direction. You've done fine and, and, and you're going you're gonna to go to heaven just like everybody else. Sounds good to the ears of man, but it's not Bible. It's not the Scriptures. It's not what God says. Jesus said, I am the one and only way. I'm the one and only life. And no man will ever, ever come to the Father except through me. This morning, the light comes into your darkness if you'll open your eyes to receive it. Don't let Christmas be about Santa. But don't let Christmas be some cute little story about a baby being put in a manger. God Almighty invaded the darkness in that manger. He came to be life and light for everybody in this room, for everybody watching and listening. It's time to do business with the light. It's time to do business with Him.
Will you pray with me? Father God, right now we confess to you the darkness of our bitterness, the darkness of our hurt, the darkness of our disappointment, the darkness of how people have hurt us and life has treated us unfair. Lord, we come confessing the darkness of our broken dreams, of our failures, and into that darkness we cry out, Is there light? Is there hope? Yes. And his name is Jesus. We celebrate your coming. Not simply being born as a child in Bethlehem. But as the great invader of our darkness. Come and illuminate our lives. And eliminate the darkness. How does that happen? Father, we just confess right now. God, I confess that I'm a sinner. I confess my need for a Savior. I've done life on my own, and I've made a mess out of it. But I dare to believe, Lord, that by confessing my sins and asking you to come into my heart and be the Lord in my life, you will transform me. You will drive the darkness away and come with your light. I want to give you my life, Lord. I want to give you my heart. I want to give all of me to you. Father, will you speak to our hearts and say that any and every person here, that that is their prayer, that that's their heart's desire, immediately you will invade their darkness. And make them your very own child. Give them the courage in the next few moments to come. And to approach Eric and Tony and, and just say, I've prayed with the pastor. I, I want to know Jesus. So we can rejoice with them about the, the new birth that they're experiencing. The angels are rejoicing in heaven. We want to rejoice here on earth. Father, there are others that may want to unite with our fellowship. Others may want to come to the altar and pray, Lord, this is your time. Will you be magnified, we ask, in Jesus' name. Amen.